Right, who thinks they've got the most obscure, but true, obscure fact about, about Paul? Anyone got an obscure fact, an interesting, unusual fact they might know about him? Anyone? Anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he, don't preach too long. There's a story where Paul preached for so long, someone sitting in the window fell out. <laughs> don't worry, you're all, you're all very safely seated, so, uh, and there's not a, a third service, so uh, make yourselves comfortable. We'll be here till four this afternoon. Now, my name is Catherine Stickland. I, as John's introduced me, I'm one of the wardens here. I'm married to lovely uh, my husband David, and we have three uh, young children who are a delight. Tire me out, but they're a real delight. Now, we're, this, this morning is the start of our new series. We're looking at Philippians, which is one of the books in the New Testament. It's a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi, to that city, which is uh, in modern-day modern northeast Greece. Uh, but before we have our reading, before we uh, delve into that, let's do a little bit of introduction to who Paul was. Now, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Put your hand up if you're looking forward to going to heaven. Some days more so than others, don't you think? Come on, Jesus. Come now. When your houses are tipped. Well, if you just came now, I wouldn't have to do the hoovering. That's just how my brain works. Um, anyway, when I get to heaven, I'm going to probably spend a few hundred years, you know, just like worshipping Jesus, you know, going a few kind of walks, uh, sleep. No, actually, you won't have to sleep, will you? Because you'll be kind of... There's no need for sleep because you won't be exhausted. Um, but one of my big things I'm looking forward to in heaven is meeting Paul. I love his writings. I love his passion. I love everything about his life. And I think there's so many stories that we have no idea about because they're not documented. I can't wait to sit down with, uh, with Paul, with my old Grey tea, and go, right, Paul, tell me it all. Tell me it all. And I'll spend a couple of hundred years just with Paul go, oh, you wouldn't believe it. God did this, and this person came along, and then there was demon, and blah, 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 blah. And then there was this healing. I can't wait to sit down with Paul. I honestly, my BFF, my best friend forever, um, obviously second to Jesus. Anyway, so Jesus, uh, sorry, Paul features very strongly in my life. I love the works of Paul. I love his, his style. I love his passion. And uh, so actually this morning I've been given an absolute treat. I'm in a church that I love. Uh, I'm, I'm reading from a book that I love, the whole Bible. I'm reading about a character I love in being in Paul. And the book of Philippians is one of my ultimate favorite books of the whole Bible. And just from the outset, it will take you about 15 minutes to read the whole book of Philippians, four chapters in one sitting. Who thinks that maybe, possibly, between now and next Sunday, they might be able to find a 15-minute window to read the whole book? Who thinks they might be able to find that? I heard a recent statistic that on average in the UK, a person will watch three and a half hours of television a day. Three and a half hours a day, that's on the average. So I think we can all squeeze 15 minutes in. Sit down, get yourself a cup of tea or a drink, and just sit and read it and let Paul just walk off the page. Because when you read a book in its entirety, you get the whole flavor of the whole dialogue of what he's trying to communicate. Who was Paul? So Paul, uh, Paul was around in the time of Jesus. He was a Jewish leader, a Pharisee, and he was very good at being a Pharisee. He was the best of the best. And he was incredibly good at persecuting Christians. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. And he's first mentioned in Acts 7 in the stoning of, of Stephen. He, they says he's mentioned as a young man that the people who are doing the stoning, eventually they kill Stephen, they put their clothes at the feet of this young man known as Saul at the time. 
He had this road to Damascus experience where Saul is on his way to Damascus and Jesus meets him in a bright shining light and blinds him. And he hears Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because he met Jesus face to face, that was why he's known as an apostle, even though it's after the resurrection. Anyway, from that place in Damascus, he sent to an Ananias, who obviously was a little bit nervous about meeting the murderous Saul, but he was a changed man. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Something like scales fell from his eyes. He was baptized, and he was a changed man. And from that moment on, he knew Jesus was the only way to God. He knew that Jesus was the only way to have peace and freedom and a resurrection future, a place in heaven with Jesus was the only way. Uh, He then started using his Roman name because he was a Roman citizen and a Jewish Pharisee. He actually had two names, Saul and Paul. Saul has royal connotations. It's It's quite a proud name. He chose to start using the word, the name Paul, which means little or small, which I think goes hand in hand with this transformation to know that before God, he was nothing. He was nothing before God. He traveled for 20 years. He was involved in being shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was abused. He was tortured. He was stoned. He was bitten by a snake. He, he had friends desert him. He had a really, really hard life. And uh, he held true to Jesus that whole time. He was killed for his faith uh, when he was around the age of his early 60s. Uh, I think they, they guess that he was beheaded in Rome. And uh, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament and set up many, many churches. The book of Philippians specifically. Uh, the book of Philippians is obviously written to the people in the city of Philippi in Greece, as I've mentioned. He was under house arrest. So he was in a house, but he was always chained to a Roman guard. He was allowed to have vis- friends and visitors in, but he couldn't go anywhere. Um, and so he used that as an opportunity to preach to the Romans, to preach to the Roman guards to great effect. A thing that I really love about Philippians, it's a book of great joy. It's great joy. If you're down, if you're depressed and you think, oh, where shall I start? Open Philippians and read it like it's been written to you. It is a book of such joy. Uh, and there's lots of very famous passages, which you probably know, but you might not realize come all from Philippians. He says he longs to be with Jesus, that actually to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, In chapter 2, he says, copy Jesus, who's become a servant. Imitate him. Your attitude should be that of the Christ Jesus. He says, all that was to my profit, do you recognize this one? All that was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Uh, And he goes, press on, I strain ahead for what is in Christ. The really famous passage, do not be anxious about anything. Everyone know that one? Do not be anxious about anything, but with, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through who who gives me strength. Again, Philippians. What an adventure we're going to have. What an adventure. I would challenge you to read this whole book in one sitting, as I've said, before next Sunday, and bring your Bibles with you. Bring your Bibles with you, because as we go through this, I think there's something really precious about actually holding something, whether it be your phone or your hard copy Bible, bring it with you. You also need to know that preachers don't always get it right. I might be lying. I'm not. But it's good for you to exercise your own minds and to, to work out if what the preacher's saying is a load of old tosh or not. So bring your Bibles and read it for yourself. It might be a load of old tosh anyway, but... Uh, but it's not really actually but bring your Bibles move on 
The, Paul is a complete dichotomy. He's one of two things. He is the most restless, eager, pursuing man of discipline, of almost hard work for God, for Jesus. He is so struck by the truth of Jesus. He will relentlessly pursue that, and he will pull up anyone who is trying to distort what Jesus did. That's who he is. He's passionate. He's truthful. He will not flinch from addressing something that needs to be addressed. But he is this man of absolute peace, absolute contentment, of rest, of peace. And I don't know how he manages to have those two things, that restless, eager desire to pursue Christ, but this incredible indwelling of God's spirit that brings peace. And it's, it's remarkable. Right. To stop me rambling, I could just talk on the topic of Paul. You might have gathered that for hours. We'll stop it there for the reading, and then we'll delve into that. John, if you'd like to come up and do that for me. Okay, so the uh, reading is Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in, gospel, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Isn't it a great place to start this whole series as well as this morning? Is that Paul starts with praying. He starts with praying and thanking God. And what a great model, a great reminder for us that when we pray, we should thank God for his infinite goodness to us. Uh, we can pray in our daily lives, at work, at home. If you've got kids at home, incorporate that into your normal pattern of behavior. Uh, that you thank God for what you see God doing. And that's what Paul did. He saw what God was doing in those people's lives, and he called it out. He named it and thanked God. And the result was that not only was Paul encouraged, but the people of Philippi were deeply encouraged that uh, Paul was recognizing them. And it's a massive theme of thanksgiving. In four, chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And in chapter 3, rejoice. It is a safeguard for you. There's something about thanking God. There's something about lifting our eyes from ourselves to God and owing, giving him the praise and giving him the honor, which somehow protects us. There is a safeguard for our hearts against perhaps bitterness, um, pride, selfishness, being picky or greedy, being judgmental, being ungracious, maybe comparing yourself to somebody else. It puts God back on his rightful throne. What a good place to start. 
The thing that really struck me about this passage is that this most incredible, phenomenal statement in verse 6. God is at work. Just let that sink in. God, the God of the universe, the God of the mountains, of the sea, of the ocean, of the stars. God is at work in you. Isn't that crazy? God is at work in you and in me. It's, I find that totally bonkers. It's a phenomenal statement. He's, it's a good work. He's doing good work in you. And on top of that, he will finish what he started. There's no unfinished business with God. My mother-in-law loves knitting, and there's always like piles of like slightly unfinished knitting projects here and there. And there's no unfinished business with God. He will carry out to the end what he has started. He works to bring freedom. God works to bring joy and life. When someone becomes a Christian, when they have finally, finally submitted their life to Jesus and said, I am nothing, God, I need you. That's not the end of it. God then goes on this incredible transformation project throughout your whole life, completed when Jesus comes. You've been made perfect, but there are things in all of our lives that need rooting out. Who thinks that they might possibly, just possibly, have a slightly bad habit that Jesus might possibly need to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe an attitude that just needs shifting. That continual work of growth, that continual work of metamorphosis, of change, is what the Holy Spirit is always doing in us if we give him permission. What is God doing in you at the moment? What good work is God doing at the moment in you? Have a little think. And are we allowing, are we giving God permission to do that work? We're not talking two years ago. Like two years ago, God did this thing in me. I'm talking this week, this day, this morning. What is God doing in you to bring his kingdom more in, into who you are, that you can radiate Christ? Now, it's a bit of an uncomfortable story, but the summer holidays, as a parent, my kids are seven, four, and two, and the summer holidays are a mixed blessing. They really are. At the end of the summer term, you can't wait for them to finish so that you've don't have to do the packed lunch boxes and the school run and the uniform washing. Who's with me on that? that you're, you know, at the end of July, you're sort of inching towards the end, that end point. And then it gets to the end of the summer holidays and you're inching towards sending them back. <laughs> I'm in that category. Um, my second is Joni's just starting school this September, so she is very ready to start school. And I think she'll probably give the teacher a bit of a run for her money. So we'll show her, see what happens there. But I had this hilarious thing this last week. I don't know why, but I thought it'd be a good idea to cut the grass whilst the kids were having breakfast. I mean, this start, story starts from a place of like, why would I even do that? It's ridiculous. But my logic was that the youngest was strapped into his high chair having breakfast. They were all kind of contained, and I could see them from the big windows. I need to cut the grass. It's really, if we're going to be in the garden, it just has to get cut, but it's really wet. So anyway, get the lawn around, mow the lawn. It's so heavy and wet, it was just like all clogging up. It was a bit of a mess. And, uh, and I come in, and sort my breakfast, get them all dressed. House is a mess as well, because we've been away. So I hoover, and then they're like, oh, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. So I say, fine, get the Play-Doh out. And who is with me when kids, like, mix Play-Doh? Like, seriously, they want to play with some yellow, and they want to play with some blue, and they want to mix them? Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Just keep, okay, don't mix them too much. And you know that when they've really squished the colors together, there's no going back, anyway. Just things like me, actually. That's just a me thing. Okay, fine. Anyway, so there was Play-Doh. Parents, do you know what kinetic sand is? Kinetic sand, yeah. You've got a few yeses. It's sand, 
but it's kinetic. So it's almost got the quality of um, like static, so you can shape it and mold it, and it's weird static, and it makes an absolute mess. It feels horrible as well. So we had Play-Doh and sand mixed together, and then they wanted to go into the garden. I'm, I'm, thank you for the, thank you for the, oh, you're feeling me, I appreciate this. They wanted to go in the garden, and because the grass had been really wet, there was loads of clippings on the grass, so then my newly heart, newly hoover, you, you, you're, you're in agony here, aren't you? Um, then the grass clippings were walked into my house, mixed with this gold kinetic sand and the Play-Doh on my newly carpet, hoover carpet, and I'm, I'm just about holding it together, honestly. I'm just like, it's okay, I'm all right, this is fine. We then go into the garden, and uh, one of my children decides to get a skipping rope out. Lovely. It's an old-fashioned skipping rope with the proper wooden handles, you know, and, she, and my child just swings round, round in a circle, and as she's coming round, she doesn't realise I'm quite so close to her, whoop-bang, whip on my leg, it left like a, a, a massive, like, it's still, this is like <laughs> Thursday, it's still a mark, honestly, it was so painful, and I don't know why, but it was that moment that it all came to a head, and I was not in a happy place anymore. These children, do they realise what they've done to my life today? Do they realise what they've put me through? I was hoping for a coffee and a sit-down. I'm having to pick out sort of uh, sand, grass and Play-Doh from my carpet. And I've got a massive welt on my thigh for the joy of it. And I went proper face down. Well, actually, no, not physically face down, but I went into this downhill cycle of proper self-pity. Who's been there? A proper, full-on self-pity storm. Thank you for those putting your hands up. It makes me feel slightly better. And it wasn't just the carpet, the grass, the kinetic sand. It was then, goodness, they, do they know I'm really busy? And do they know I'm actually really important? I've got a sermon to prep for this Sunday. I'm a warden. Do you know what the rimmers have done to me? <laughs> do they know what they've done to me? They didn't think about that when they left for Barnard, did they? Anyway, it was a massive self-pity storm. I was wrapped up into it. And to be honest, I was quite enjoying it. I was really quite enjoying it. I was really nursing my wound, literally. Um, but I was, I was really enjoying it. But um, God, in his infinite goodness, uh, managed to snap me out of that one quite quickly. I remember I, was bumped, I bumped into a friend at New Wine, and I was talking uh, back at, to him at the time about somebody who'd be really annoying to me. And he said, oh, that attitude really, really has to change. And I was like, doesn't it just? That person's being really annoying. And he went on to explain, no, Catherine, not that person's attitude, but your attitude. And I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Um, He's not a good friend anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. He said, don't let it take root. You can't let it take root. You have to be absolutely ruthless with this, Catherine. Because if you let this self-pity take root, it will kill you. You put those things to death. When you follow Jesus, you put yourself to death. I have to daily put my self-pity to death. It dies. Because you know what? God has given me three delightful children. And like people in the supermarket say to me, oh, you've got your hands full, haven't you? Oh. And you know what? God's given me big hands. He's given me a big heart and he's given me big hands for these three precious children. Yes, John and I have got a bigger workload. But where God calls, he equips. So don't pity us. Say, oh, John. Poor you, John. Poor diddums. No. Be compassionate to us. And say, I am praying for you. You stand firm. Commend you to that attitude towards you. Commend you. Stand firm. God will equip you for this season. Do you remember the James Bond films? The, last, the bit I love in James Bond films is when, is it Q who takes James down to like 
the basement, where there's like the new Aston Martin and all the stuff. And he's like, look at this, it's a pen that kills people in a car. I'd love the Aston Martin. By the way, if you want to bless me, you want to give me Aston Martin, that'd be fine. Um, but I feel sometimes God is like that. There's a treasure trove of stuff he wants to give us. He might not be able to change our situation straight away. He can give us wisdom, discernment, joy, peace, contentment. He can fill us up so we don't even want the thing we really want anymore because we're so content in him. And I need to myself call myself out and say, God, fill up what is lacking in me. You've called me to this, go on. Give me stuff I need for it then. God will equip where he calls. Don't let bad attitudes take root. Put them to death. The good thing about the work that God does, it's not just for you and for me. When it says God is doing a good work in you, you is plural. So God is doing a good work in us as the lantern, in Christian people. It's a you as plural word. Isn't that good? We're in it together. Paul loves them and he longs for them. And as you read this book, you'll understand and hear God's heart. He longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. He cares for them. And we're being built together. As you serve together, you put down roots together. And if any of you are feeling a bit wobbly, if any of you are feeling like, I can't come every Sunday and I feel really fringy and I don't know if a lantern's the place for me, I'd really encourage you to do some sort of, um, get involved more. It's a weird thing that as you get involved more, you feel more involved. If you, that actually, as you put down roots and you get to know people, there's something very magical about the community as you serve. You don't have to serve. No one has to serve in this church. We're not going like, to tick you off on the doorway. No, sorry, you've only done one uh, service, uh, act of service, so you can have half a cup of coffee this morning. Uh, and you can have half a biscuit, but not a chocolate one. Uh, nothing like that. You have absolute freedom to say, no, I don't want to do the service. I don't want to volunteer for anything. When the clipboards come round, you don't have to put your name down. There's no obligation. There's freedom to say no. But you know what? There's also freedom to say yes. There's also freedom to say yes and get it wrong. If you don't make amazing cakes, but you want to give it a go, and your cake's a bit of flop, bring it anyway. There's freedom to say yes and to get it wrong and have a go. You don't have to be perfect. That's one of the things about the lantern that I love. We're good at being together. We're good at being together. Keep pressing into that and keep looking after each other. Finally, Paul wants them to be fruitful. Paul wants their love to grow and mature in discernment and wisdom so that we can be pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness. The Message Bible has got the most brilliant... I'll read it to you. It says, Use your head... And test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. <laughs> Isn't that good? Not sentimental gush. That's insincere and has no substance to it. He wants your love to be deep and wise and profoundly um, godly in its, in its behavior. So just have a little think. What would it look like in your life? And all our lives look different. We are family with different people. We work in different places. Our gifts, our skills are different. What would your life look like if it was more fruitful? What would it look like? Perhaps there's a particular relationship. If, if it was a bit, it would just change. Something would change with God's help. What would it mean for me to be wise? To not say that thing. To bide my time. To have a wise piece of advice for somebody. 
Because the remarkable thing is that we are already righteous. We are already perfect before God. But he wants and longs to bring fruit from our lives that is righteous. Isn't that strange? So much, just, can I just have a complete disclaimer? Loads of what Paul says is weird. Okay, if you read Paul's stuff and you just go, oh, Paul, you're, you're doing my head in. <laughs> That's okay. Even Peter in one of his letters says, we all don't understand what Paul means sometimes. That's okay. But this is, he has lots of comparisons where we produce fruit of righteousness, but we're already righteous. So we are involved in this process of change. We're involved in this allowing Jesus to work something out of us, but we are already perfect. Isn't that weird? It is strange, isn't it? It's really strange. As we allow Jesus into every crevice of our lives, into the dark corners, into the areas that we don't talk about, Jesus dwells more richly in us. And as Jesus dwells more richly in us, the fruit from our lives is that fruit of righteousness. It's patient, it's kind, it's loving, it's gracious, it's true. So it's, it's a, amazing, amazing of Christ coming into us and together we produce fruit. Not us trying to be patient, not us trying to be kind, but actually as Jesus comes into our lives and we allow him permission, we produce that fruit. As we close, let's have a little recap. Paul prays with joy and great thanksgiving. God is at work, and it's a good work, and it will be finished. But we're in it together. We can serve and have the joy of serving together. And he commends us, Paul commends us, to be fruitful, to let Jesus dwell in us richly so that we produce that fruit. There's this incredible poem that I'm just going to finish with, which I think sums up, in a way, what Paul was all about. And incredibly, it goes back to the 5th century. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ beside me and Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me and Christ above me, Christ in quiet and Christ in danger, Christ in the hearts of all that love me, and Christ in the mouth of friend and stranger. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we're just encouraged by Paul's incredible life, his determination to follow you above, above everything else, at whatever cost. Holy Spirit, come, we welcome you. Do whatever you need to do in me to bring life, to bring fruit, that I die to self, to enable Jesus to live more fully in me and through me. Jesus, we give you permission this morning. Amen.